Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and there's love in the air. And I don't just mean the bromance between Brian and I, that's usually on this podcast. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, and so for Valentine's Day, we're going to do a special review of My Bloody Valentine, the 1981 Canadian slasher horror film written by George Mihalik, or Mihalka, and starring Paul Kelman, Laurie Haler, and Neil Affleck. Uh, Brian, had you seen this one before? I was very aware of this movie existing, but I've never seen it before or its 2009 remake. How about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I know it has a cult following, and I'm sure I've come across this a number of times. But I also wonder if I'm thinking of the popular like indie rock band, My Bloody Valentine. You ever listen to those guys? I yeah, I went through a period in college where I listened to their album Loveless. Oh, man. pretty on repeat, pretty much. Yeah, I, that, that was a pretty great album, wasn't it? It sure was. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it makes me uh, it's kind of disappointed that the movie doesn't live up to that album. <laughs> yeah, Loveless is way better than. <laughs> yeah, the band is way better than the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, as you mentioned, this movie was remade in uh, twenty or two thousand nine. And I had a moment of panic last night when I was going to go watch this, and I noticed that the 2009 version actually has a better review than the original 1981 uh, version, which, how often is it that a remake has a better review than the original? That's kind of saying something. Yeah, I know, it really is. Yeah, I can't think of any other uh, situation where that's happened. I mean, I'm sure that it's out there. Um, but yeah, as, as we mentioned, this is a, a Canadian movie. Um, it was kind of a disappointment, I think, when it came out. Uh, it only made about $5.7 million on a budget of $2.3 million. And it came out uh, right around the time after like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, the whole slasher movement, Halloween. And this was kind of um, a, you know a, a downer compared to those in terms of the level of success. Is that what you saw as well? Yeah, Friday the 13th made almost $60 million on a half a million dollar budget. Wow, on a half a million and budget? And this movie just, yeah, yeah, on like $500,000. Wow. And this movie had a $2.3 million and only made the $5.7 million, as you said. That's so, crazy. Not how they thought it would do. Yeah, and it's not like we were blown away by Friday the 13th either, so it's crazy that you'd have such different results with, between these two movies. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know why it did so poorly. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I And and uh, unlike some of those other really popular slashers, this one is like distinctly Canadian. And we've reviewed a few Canadian movies on this podcast. And I, I feel like watching this one, a lot of it takes place in a mine, which, you know, was kind of confusing to me. But then, you know, it's it's Canadian. And I wonder if that Canadian element made it less successful in the United States at all. I don't know. I mean, as we talked about Canada was, although this was a little early, I feel like Canada was really in pop culture in a huge way in the 90s, as we discussed in another episode. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, there is some Canadianness to this, but, you know, it might just be that. So they did this. They called it My Bloody Valentine. And I think the whole point of it even being themed around Valentine's Day was to jump on this trend of movies set on holidays that did really well like specifically mm -hmm. slashers there's black christmas from 1974 halloween 78 friday the 13th 1980 yeah but those are good times well i don't know about christmas but like on valentine's day do you really want to go to a horror movie uh i don't know because i i feel like valentine's day more so than christmas 
makes sense. It's it, it's weird because Christmas, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, those all have holiday themed movies. I I would think Valentine's Day, you know, you're you're out on a date, and that's such like a typical thing. I I mean, it used to be a typical thing where like you know, on a, on a date you go see a scary movie, right? Wasn't that kind of like a like a a trope a long time ago? Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe it still is, but I don't know. I feel like Valentine's Day is kind of special. And if somebody was like, hey, I'm taking you to a horror movie for Valentine's <laughs> Day, it might be a little, I don't know. I don't know. If someone said that to me, I'd be like, wow, you're my soulmate. <laughs> Brian, I want to take you to a horror movie on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that sounds that's great. A, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And I guess there may be, um, you know, I was looking at a, a list of Valentine's Day horror films and there are at least like eight to 10 out there that I think take place on Valentine's Day. So I, I think a few movies uh, jumped on that. And it makes me wonder where the other holidays are like Easter, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, uh, Fourth <laughs> of July. Do we have movies for that? In the horror genre? You know, there aren't many. Uh, I think there might be a few 4th of July ones, but Memorial Day, Labor Day, I don't think those are big enough to... Uh, and Memorial Day, I think it'd be kind of disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Um, Columbus Day, I feel like, could make for a good one. You could make a great one out of Columbus Day with like Christopher Columbus as the antagonist. Oh, totally, totally. Oh my God, that that, that would be pretty good, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could make that one pretty charged. You could make it kind of like a revisionist history too. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, this this is a good Let's idea, do it. man. Yeah, I'm on board. Um, I I thought one of the interesting parts about this, uh, and you know, we've seen a number of Canadian movies as you mentioned. This one got a lot of heat because part of its funding was from the uh, Canadian government. Did you see that? I did see that. That's interesting. Yeah, apparently, you know, people's tax money go in Canada goes towards, um, you know, a, a corporation that is owned by the government that like produces arts, and so this movie got some of its funding from there, and uh, it's I, I think because the movie was kind of a disappointment, it made people a little bit more upset that their tax money was like making this movie. Yeah, wouldn't that be nuts? Like, what if you found out that your tax money went to make like. Slender Man. <laughs> yeah. Like the worst movie out. <laughs> You're paying for that garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that's, that, that, it's kind of a, a dark twist on socialism, you know, like the government, uh, they, they provide, you know, all, all these, you know, benefits for you. And one of the things are like shitty horror films. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of a down one on, on that whole argument. Yeah. Shitty horror films are a right, not just a privilege. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite slasher films, surprisingly. I don't know. I saw that. That is interesting. Which only goes to show that Quentin Tarantino maybe has bad taste in movies, and maybe his movies aren't as good <laughs> as people make them out to be. I feel like he makes great movies, but, I mean, he does love kind of grindhouse, trashy cinema. Yeah, that's true. That's no secret. That's true. He kind of embraces that whole vibe and, and tries to, I, I guess he kind of transforms it into something that you can appreciate more and more self-aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any, uh, any, I, so I, I didn't recognize, I think the director has done a few other movies um, and, you know, the cast here has been in a few other movies, but I, I didn't really recognize any of the titles. I mean, did you recognize anyone in this? No, I did not. They're all kind of, they're not big names. They've been in some other stuff, but nothing huge um mm -hmm. i saw that neil affleck the guy who plays axel 
went on to work in the animation department at quite a few different cartoons including Rocco Rugrats and Simpsons yeah it's it's funny it's, it's almost like uh yeah his, his acting yeah it sounds like he wasn't like that great of an actor or he got kind of hammered in that and then he switched over to to animation which is pretty interesting yeah any other uh interesting tidbits about this or or stuff that you found interesting um I thought it was kind of interesting that some of the facts about them filming they actually filmed this in a mine oh yeah um so I don't know if we did the like a quick plot summary <clears throat> and mentioned that the slasher is like a an, a miner that died in a an accident years ago or something. Yeah, no, I I, for, I forgot to mention. So my bloody Valentine, uh, it's about a group of young adults who decide to throw a Valentine's Day party in a town where uh, you know twenty years ago some uh, masked uh, villain kind of went around killing people. And they're kind of tempting to uh, his his curse on the town if they ever have a Valentine's Day party again. Uh, so the filming in the ground underground in this mine was like twenty seven hundred feet below ground, mm-hmm. and they said it was just a giant pain in the ass to get everybody down there and set up and took forever. And they had to like really carefully plan their lighting because there was still like a risk of explosion due to the methane levels. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to s- some of the constraints they went through. And then part of the reason they picked this mine as a filming location was because of how dingy it looked. Yeah. And apparently the town like cleaned it all up once they learned that a movie was going to be made there. Mm-hmm. And so they had to spend like a bunch of money and time getting it back to the way it was. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I saw it. they were trying to save money by doing it in this mine, but they ended up spending a lot more and getting it ready. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's a late bummer. Yeah, it's kind of telling of the entire um, logic of this movie. That I mean, what? Why would you shoot a movie in like this mine that's like dangerous to be in in the first place, and that's like a hassle to get down into and do all something? Why don't you just build that in a studio? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I do like that it was filmed in the mine. I think that's one of its stronger aspects. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could have done this in a studio. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot easier. I'm sure it would have cost a lot more, though. You think so? Than cleaning out an entire mine? Yeah, I mean they they made like the some of the shots like they like did a shot like up the shaft and up the ladder and yeah, um, yeah. I mean it was only two point three million, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. That's true. The studio could have cost more. Yeah. Yeah, interesting that they shot that there, um, and uh, and it was shot. Was it in Nova Scotia? Yep. Okay. Cool. I've always wanted to go there. It sounds nice. Um, and then any connection to our home state of Ohio? Um, tangential as usual, but Neil Affleck, we mentioned, worked in the animation department at Rugrats, and the music, the theme song for Rugrats, is done by Mark Mothersbaugh from Akron, Ohio. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, he's the uh, lead singer of Devo. Oh, cool. Wow, I didn't know he did the music for Rugrats. Yeah, he's done a lot. I didn't look into his uh, filmography, but I I think he's done a lot of music for movies and TV. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah, that's a good one. Pretty tangential, man. Nice work. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved Rugrats so much that that had to be my route. (laughs) I gotta tie this to Rugrats. There's also like Ohio mining disasters I could have gone with, but (laughs) this is Rugrats. Yeah, yeah, this is more fun. Uh, Anything to mention before we take a quick break and then uh, talk about the plot? That's all I got. Great. All right. Well, 
I hear some uh, dogs uh, barking outside my door. I'm going to go check out what it is, um, and then we'll pick right up. I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah, good luck. All right, thanks. All right, Brian, I'm back. Yeah, everything okay? Yeah, it was just, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, uh, and so I ordered a heart off uh, Amazon. Um, I, I just figured this year, instead of getting the candy, I wanted to go with something more organic, um, gluten-free, and just uh, more economical, I guess. So I, I just went so, with the human heart. A literal, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's better than all that it's sugar. gluten-free. You, yeah, it's better than all those sugar that, that, that you get with those candy hearts, you know? Yeah, that's true. This this one's packed with protein, <laughs> amino acids probably. <laughs> I'm I'm guessing there probably are a lot of health benefits to eating a human heart. Ah, totally. Have you ever eaten um, another animal's heart before? Um, I don't think that I have. Uh, I've probably had like chicken hearts and something. Yeah, yeah. I feel like duck heart. Um, yeah, hearts, hearts. Good. Yeah, this is kind of a delicacy. I feel like I've had a cow heart served to me once. Either that, or it just looked like a heart. But I'm not, I'm not sure. It was. Huh. It was. It was kind of tough. It was. It was. It was. It was, it was a tough meat. So my, my memory of it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Let's 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 talk about the plot. Pretty simple <laughs> plot line. Uh, it, it, it's it's not a very uh, you know complicated movie here. But uh, it basically opens up with these two miners down in a mine shaft, um, or in a, in a mine, I guess. And uh, one uh, is a girl. She takes off her mask, and she starts undressing. And this other miner walks up to her, and you think they're going to make out, but he like impales her with this uh, pickaxe that he's got instead, and she screams. And that's the opening. Does this ever like circle back or reconcile itself in the movie, this scene? No. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think they mention maybe that somebody is missing. Oh, I don't even know if they do that or not. To tell you the truth, I don't remember. But it's it's almost a useless scene. It's just the fact that every slasher movie has to start immediately with a murder. Yeah, a murder and like a, <laughs> like an immediate like soft core scene in the beginning. It felt. Uh, yep. Yeah, this is really like right to the point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then. Then the story uh, jumps to this town called Valentine Bluffs, and uh, we're introduced to these characters who are like, they seem like older teenagers, maybe. I couldn't tell if they're high school or early college, but um, they were- Yeah, I read somewhere they were supposed to be in their mid-20s. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they, they work in a mine, so I figure they must be young adults. Um, yeah. So they're, uh, they, they work in this mine, and then uh, they live in this town where they're getting ready to celebrate- uh, a Valentine's Day uh, dance. They're, they're going to have one uh, on like Saturday night, which is Valentine's Day. And you get this backstory that this town hasn't had a Valentine's Day dance for the last 20 years because 20 years ago on Valentine's Day, this dance was going on. And uh, at the mine, there was an explosion with all this methane or something. And um, everyone died except this one guy um, whose name was, uh, what, was, what was his name? Harry or Henry uh, Henninger? Was that it? Oh, Harry Warden. Oh, man. I, there you go. Yeah, Harry Warden. Henry Warden. Uh, or Harry Warden? I think it was, yeah, Harry Warden. Yeah, Harry Warden. Um, yeah. He's like the one. Horrible name. I know. I know. 
he's so he he's the one person that survived this uh, mine explosion 20 years ago and he was trapped in there for four days he started eating uh skin, like the skin of i feel like himself and maybe some of the miners he became a cannibal and when he finally got out he went and killed uh these two supervisors who he, i guess he blamed for the explosion um and then he like cursed the town and said if you guys ever have a dance again i'm going to come back and kill all of you and then he was jailed and sent to an asylum apparently so this town hasn't celebrated Valentine's Day for 20 years because of that. And now uh, it's getting ready to you know, move past that curse and celebrate um, Valentine's Day. So we're introduced to these young adults who are basically all these throwaway characters. Um, I'm not even sure if it's you know worth going into any of them because it's, it's a very superficial level of getting to know them. I mean, did, did you feel like they built up anyone personality-wise? Mm-hmm. No, there was literally no main character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could have told them apart. I, I guess the one thing was there was this one girl who like was dating a guy, but then this other guy comes back and now she's like, uh, that she used to date. And there's like this weird like friction between like him being in his name is TJ. And he's like, Oh, uh, Sarah, I'm back. You got to get back together with me. But she's dating this guy, Axel now. And so TJ and Axel are going at it. Just this weird, like three, uh, person, like love triangle, which I, I don't know why that was in there. Yeah. I think it, it made a little bit of sense why they included it later on in the movie, but yeah, even so it was kind of like a forced plot line that didn't really matter. Yeah. Very secondary. And everyone outside of them is like super minimized to like, one or two lines or like just being these jokey characters. Um, yeah. So that's basically all you got to know about the characters is, uh, there's a, a love triangle going on uh, in the middle. So the stance is about to happen. And then, um, you know, the, the mayor or the sheriff, like gets a package, it's a heart shaped box. He opens it and there's a human heart in there. And so he starts freaking out like, Oh my God, the killer's back. We have to cancel the dance. Uh, meanwhile, um, the one of the ladies who's organizing the dance uh, gets murdered by this guy who's dressed in this mining gear and at a laundromat and, and like she's like thrown into like a dryer and I think she's killed in a dryer. Is that the the vibe you got from that? Her dead body is found in a dryer, but I don't know how she was killed. It almost looked like she had been burned or something. Her face was all gnarled. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Maybe she took around a ride around in the dryer, but maybe not <laughs> on, on high heat. Yeah. Um, but that, that that's that to do it. Yeah, that that was uh, the first time we saw the killer. And it, well, I guess we saw him in the opening scene too. But it's basically just a guy in a mining mask. I, how scary did you find that that the way they did him up? It's it's not scary at all. It's just yeah, a dude in a gas mask and a helmet. Yeah, and it's interesting to compare like how they made this villain versus the other popular ones at this time, like Jason, um, or sorry, like yeah, Jason, and then um, Michael Myers, like and, and Freddy Krueger. Like if you compare those three masks to this guy, it's pretty weak. I thought it's just a typical mining mask. Yeah, it's not really too intimidating. It isn't. But he kind of breathes like Darth Vader. Did you notice that? Yeah, you know, and that got me thinking about how many villains have a mask and, like, breathe like that. Like, Darth Vader, Bane from Batman. Oh, yeah. Shredder. I just recently watched the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action movie, and Shredder was like that. Wow. Is it is it because and of I, the masks that they breathe like that? Yeah. That's Well, I think Bane actually has some sort of an issue. He had, like, asthma or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it's it's a uh, yeah. That it's like a contraption there to. I don't know if it makes them scarier to hear them breathing or what. 
Yeah, and I mean, Michael Myers breathing in the in Halloween, it does add some suspense for sure. Yeah, that's true. I, f- I forgot, like, you can hear him kind of breathing. Uh, yeah, I think maybe they were trying to replicate that a little bit here with the gas mask. Yeah, but overall not, like, a very scary mask. No. It's a little more gimmicky. Um, so, yeah, so now, like, you know, like, there's this murder going around. Uh, the dance gets canceled. Uh, but then these young adults being young adults, uh, they're like, screw it, we'll go through a dance uh, at the, uh, or we'll go party in the mine, which, you know, terrible idea given all the methane that's down there. Um, but they end up going down there throwing this party. Uh, meanwhile, uh, this killer's just kind of going around uh, randomly killing like a bartender and some other random people. And every time he kills someone, he like sends a, uh, puts a heart in a box and sends it to someone with like, a rhyme, which I, I thought was kind of funny that he would like take the time to write out like a nursery rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little silly, but also kind of like one of the few things that gave, gave the movie character. Yeah, it's kind of endearing that this guy's like sitting there. Like you can just like think him, like see him like kind of like thinking like, well, what rhymes with head? <laughs> I want to see like the trash bin full of the notes he didn't yeah. use. Yeah, he like is. Yeah, all the crumbled paper that's in there, the half written rhymes. <laughs> so, a few lines about how tough heart meat is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, <laughs> hard to bite there. You need like a steak knife to get through this. <laughs> uh, so, then these kids are partying in a mine. Uh, the The villain. Shows up there, it starts like attacking people, and some of the deaths are interesting. Um, you know, th- there's a, a guy who's like face he like throws into a boiling water of hot dogs. Um, which who was boiling <laughs> hot dogs at a party? There were so. I feel like there was one shot where it was clear that the hot dogs had been boiling for like hours. They were like bursting out of the <laughs> casing. Yeah, those are like overcooked hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone had to be watching those. I, I don't know what happened. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, so he's going around basically picking off, uh, these guys. Um, then he chases these young adults into, around in the mine. And, um, at, at some point, you know, our, our, our love triangle, which is TJ, Alex and Sarah. So, you know, they're kind of like Axel. Oh, Axel. Sorry. Not Alex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Axel. I forgot. It's 1980s Canada. Uh, that was Axel back then. Um, so those three are, uh, running around in the mine trying to escape and um, Axel, you hear him like in the distance, like fall into the water and they go back and he's gone. So then it's TJ and Sarah running and they come face to face with the villain and uh, TJ is fighting with him. And then uh, somehow while the fight's going on, Sarah like unmasks the villain. And this whole time, you know, the, the police are thinking that the villain is the guy from 20 years ago. Um, and he's Harry Warden. Yeah, Harry Warden. They think like he's escaped the, the, the asylum. Um, but when she unmasks him, it turns out to be Axel. And you get this brief flashback uh, where he was one of the kids whose dad was murdered by Harry Warden 20 years ago. Um, and I guess that maybe set him off and made him crazy. And now he's going around killing people. So that was the twist was that he was the, the killer the whole time. And so now, uh, now like somehow TJ like gets the upper hand and like, you know, pushes him down and, uh, they, him and Sarah managed to escape while TJ gets, um, I forget what it does like the mind like collapse on him or something. I think like, does it collapse on Axel? Yeah. 
I think so. I think he's like, they're both swinging things so carelessly that they're starting to knock some support beams down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah, so so Sarah and TJ escape, and I think uh, Axel gets trapped down there. Um, then they then the movie ends uh, while the, someone's like, oh, he got away, and they come down, and Axel's like torn his arm off, and he's running away, and he's gone kind of crazy, and he's yelling, um, Sarah, you're my bloody Valentine, and like just kind of laughing, and then the movie ends. Um, yep. did I did I forget anything? No, I think that's about it. Except the uh, I would just add that when TJ and the killer, who we haven't discovered is Axel yet, are fighting, they're like essentially in this sword fight, like a pickaxe and a shovel. Oh yeah, right. And that final scene. And, yeah, I found it really odd. There was no music playing. <laughs> it was just it was quite... just awkward. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of felt like overall the editing was was kind of bad in, in this film. But yeah, that, that's a good point. That's that's a really strange point part not to have like climatic music. Yeah, like it was the climax and zero music. It was just like <laughs> just, this really long sword fight. Yeah, just this clanking of metal on metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did, did you were you surprised that the killer was Axel? Not really. Somewhere about halfway through the movie, I started to realize that this the killer was going to be somebody else, and Axel made the most sense. Hmm. Yeah, I only realized that when Axel went missing and, like, they just assumed he drowned um, without showing it. Because they were showing how everyone else was dying, and it was usually, like, pretty graphic. Um, yeah. But when he, like, just kind of disappears and you assume he's dead, then, then it kind of hit me that maybe... I thought they were going to pull a Scream-type scenario where, like, both of the guys were going to be killers, maybe. But I guess not. Not that smart. Yeah, yeah, not that smart. You'd have to wait another um, 20 years. That would have made sense in, like, the love triangle scenario. Yeah, I know. They both were, like, supposedly fighting over her, but they were actually trying to kill her, I guess. One thing I forgot to mention in the background uh, info section that we discussed, there were nine minutes of this movie that were cut due to violence and gore. Yeah. And it's not that violent or gory when you compare it to Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm Mm-hmm. But it sounds like Paramount may have wanted to edit it down because of some backlash they had received from Friday the 13th the previous year. Yeah, that, and then I also read that uh, John Lennon had died or something at around this time, and they were trying to cut back on violence in films for a brief moment. Yeah, he was murdered in December of 1980. I don't know if that was something the director just thought might have been the case or if uh, that was a known thing that people were trying to cut down on violence in movies yeah. in the wake of his death. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Like, this movie wasn't, like, very gory. Like, as gory as it could have been or have, as other movies have been that we've seen, even older movies I feel like are gorier. Um, this one was actually pretty gentle in the eyes. Yeah, except for a, a few quick shots. Um, it did seem like they were trying to do a bit of a Friday the 13th thing with the kills, mm-hmm. like kind of creative kills and gory kills, but mm-hmm. if we had seen more of them, I think it would have been a bit more cool. Yeah. Was, this one also had like an X rating originally, right? I think it, they kept sending it to the MPAA and it would get an X and then they'd cut stuff and send it back. Yeah. I'm so surprised. I feel like the last few movies we've seen, we've run into that where like they're, they got censored or they origi- were originally rated X. And it's just like, where, where are all these X rated movies today? Yeah. Out. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that we've gotten more 
the R rating has a broader range now. People are less likely to rate something. Yeah. NC-17. Yeah, yeah. I guess X isn't even a rating anymore, right? It's just NC-17. Yeah, I think X became... The X rating became so synonymous with the pornographic industry that the MPAA dropped it. Yeah, right, for major films. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, overall, like, what what did you think? Like, what what did you like? What didn't you like about this movie? What do do you think worked here? I didn't like, as we said before, there's no main character. Mm -hmm. I think that was a flaw. And I think that was a flaw with Friday the 13th, too. Like, one of the great things is about Halloween is how much time we spend with Lori. Oh like, yeah. Um, and you don't have that character here. There's, there's no character where it's just like the camera on that character and they're alone and you're just getting to know them. That doesn't happen. Well, what about so that I, shower scene in the, in the beginning where all the guys are slapping each other on the back? <laughs> you didn't feel like that was going to know characters. <laughs> I want to be alone with one of those guys in the shower yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Get rid of all the other guys. Keep one guy in there. I see him shower by himself. (laughs) Let us really get to know him. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you're totally right. So many throwaway characters and like, you can tell like half of them apart and like just throw away lines for most of them. Yeah, and it's funny too because like, and you know, maybe that's just me, but I feel like just taking like five minutes of like TJ driving back from wherever he's been like into town and being nervous about it, Mm -hmm. like, okay, now we have a main character and we get to know him a little bit. Yeah. It would have made the movie, I just would have been that much more invested. You're right. You're not invested in like any of these characters uh, watching it. And, and that, that's a really good point that there isn't really a protagonist in this one. Uh, yeah. It is just kind of like a very like, here's like 30 people or like 20 people just hanging out getting murdered. And you're like, who are you supposed to be even rooting for at this point? Exactly. Yeah. And um, I did like, as I said before, that the, third act of the movie took place in the mine. Mm -hmm. Like I thought they would have been remiss not to do that. And it made for an interesting setting and a bit of a cool vibe. Yeah. But I still feel like they didn't use it as well as they could have. They could have done more with like collapsing stuff and claustrophobia and darkness or an explosion. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they kind of like hinted at explosions. Like it almost felt like they were, foreshadowing an explosion because yeah a few of the characters a few times like mentioned how likely it was to have an explosion in the mine and then nothing happened yeah i was really surprised about that because yeah you're set off from the beginning context that like 20 years ago there was an explosion and then you're right like throughout the way you're getting these cautionary warnings that there could be an explosion so i was expecting something uh, to blow up at the end too but that like never came up while the any of the violence was happening yeah uh weird um, what, uh, what, how many, um, I, I guess like battles, uh, without sound in a mind, would you give this one? <laughs> um, I give it two battles without sound wow. in a mind. I think, I think the mind setting itself is the only reason I'm not giving it a one. Yeah. Oh, that's generous. I, yeah, I, I'm, t- I was tempted about the one, but mm-hmm. I, for some reason I didn't hate it as much as some of the other ones that I've given. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty generous actually. Um, yeah, I, I think I have to go for one. I mean, I get what you're saying. The mind like adds like a, a glimpse of originality to it, but, um, otherwise I, yeah, I just thought it was kind of poorly done and, uh, like written, like, you know, without any thought, actually, you know what? I, uh, one point that I really missed 
was the whole movie's called My Bloody Valentine. Even the origin story of that guy 20 years ago, it really doesn't have much to do with Valentine's Day. I thought it'd be like a love story at, at the uh, at the heart of it. Like that's why that killer would like hate Valentine's Day or like forbid the town from celebrating it. But there really wasn't like a you know, like a tragic love story at, at the heart of the movie, was there? And maybe that's what they were trying to do, like as a half-hearted attempt with the love triangle. But yeah, it really wasn't that compelling of a story. It wasn't. Yeah, I, I feel like they could have laid on the Valentine's impact, uh, meaning a little bit heavier. Did it? Yeah, and I think that with that love triangle, the part of it they emphasized most was just how at each other's throats TJ and Axel yeah. were. <laughs> so broy. <laughs> they were both just annoying. Yeah, I know. Uh, my favorite line in the movie is when uh sarah who's the girl in the love triangle she's like just like really upset because like they're fighting over her and this has like been going on like for most of the movie she's like i just don't care anymore and i'm kind of like yeah that's kind of how i feel about this whole movie (laughs) yeah like capturing the audience's uh thinking thank you sarah yeah exactly (laughs) you said what we're all thinking (laughs) i feel like part of the reason i gave it a two was that it was it was just so bland that it wasn't extremely offensive to watch. Like <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It was it was very paint by numbers, and I think pretty clearly trying to copy Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a generic knockoff. Yeah, pretty pretty harmless overall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool, man. Well, I guess this isn't one we'll be uh, watching together on on Valentine's Day. I'll have to find well, another one. Me- Maybe next Valentine's Day we can check out the remake. You know, the remake's in 3D, and, and that's the only reason I'm hesitant to watch it. Like, if, if I watch it on my computer on TV at home, will I miss out on the 3D impact? I hate 3D in general, so... <laughs> that's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just... It's, it's good. You think the movie, like, stands on its own, though, without... Oh, I guess we'll find out if it works without the 3D. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anything else? Find out next year. Yeah. That's all I have. Cool. All right. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today about My Bloody Valentine's. Uh, and if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. Or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Be sure to check out Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art. Uh, so check her out on Etsy.com. Uh, Have a happy Valentine's Day, and until next time, if someone gives you a heart on Valentine's Day, just for safety measures, take a bite out of it just to make sure it isn't a heart. And if it is, you know, maybe keep eating it because you're getting your protein in for sure. Um, But hopefully it's candy. (laughs) 